and throughout the world, it's football time in Tennessee. Yo, what is up, everyone? Brando here, back with another weekly episode of Balls ATB Podcast. Pleased to be joined by my boy, Drew. Um, obviously, a lot of breaking news to go down with, but overall, Drew, glad to be back here on a Wednesday with you. have been taking our little summer vacation, I guess, as well, as always. <laughs> How you been, my guy? I, uh, I cannot complain one bit. It's been um, quite an eventful last few days as a Balls fan, of course. Um, definitely when it comes to the you know, final verdict on the NCAA investigation that we'll discuss to great lengths this entire episode. And obviously the huge commitment that we have today that we'll first start off with. But, uh, dude, it's good. I mean, I think Tennessee needed this more than anything else as far as recruiting goes because the last couple of weeks have been uh, a couple swing and misses. But it's great to uh, finally get a huge, huge, huge time committed today. Oh yeah, and I mean, like, bro, like we're we're on that home stretch right now. It's kind of insane, you know. Under fifty days until football season kicks off in Nissan Stadium against Virginia. Some of the kickoff times are getting released. Finally, the investigation after three years plus is finally wrapped up. Josh Heupel can go out of his way without any recruiting restrictions against him, and you know, people you know recruiting against him because of the investigation, and really got his you know his feet wet today landing five-star wide receiver Mike Matthews out of Parkview, Georgia, the highest-rated wide receiver commit in Tennessee program history. Um, cannot say enough for the guy that we were told could not recruit Drew. Josh Heupel has landed Mike Matthews, and this class, you know, we've been, you know, having some misses here and there, questioning recruiting. Uh, this one, I, I've been fired up since the commitment. I think, you know, my whole demeanor has changed, all the batter ball syndrome is leaving my body this i cannot fathom how how important this commitment was for us Drew. yeah no i mean hypo and the staff desperately needed it especially after you know swing and missing on braylon russell where we really thought for the last what two to three months of that one was kind of in the bag and a lot of you know questions in the air about amari jefferson who's going to be committing next week i believe as well so uh, still a lot of questions that we got to answer from a recruiting aspect, but this helps tremendously on, you know, at least ending on a positive note. Second recruiting class now where we've been able to get a five-star commit, and, you know, it's it speaks volumes for Hypo, especially not even a week after getting the NCAA verdict that he was able to, you know, pull this off too. So Back-to-back uh, classes, Drew, back-to-back classes, Josh Heupel has landed the highest-rated quarterback in program history and the highest-rated wide receiver in program history. Yeah. And I think it is really like important to like understand that the wide receiver position after last year's classes where he was still proving himself as a head coach had this incredible season. But, you know, Kyler Casper, Carnell Tate, some guys that Tennessee had to swing and miss on, they, they you know, held the momentum in this recruitment for, for a really long time. Obviously, Georgia, Clemson trying to catch back up. It was really surprised me to hear Chad Simmons mention how close Georgia was to home state, trying to get back in, going against back-to-back natties, making sure that they couldn't come back and steal. Uh, obviously, a long way to December, got to sign the, the NLI. But this this commitment, Drew, I think, you know, it, it can Mike Matthews and Nico is going to be insane. It's going to be awesome. And, you know, like this kid, this kid's a baller, dude. You know, like he played – he plays in the same, you know, 7, seven, seven eight, 8 region that, like, my high school, Mill Creek, you know, plays in. We played we played Parkview last year, and, like, dude, I mean, he tore up against us, and Mill Creek was the defending state champion. So, I mean, this kid, he will be a starter day one, in my opinion, you know, and it helps tremendously that we're able to get a talent like this 
because I think a lot of people, you know, tend to forget, you know, we're losing a lot of production after this season at the wideout position with Bray McCoy and, you know, potentially Dante Thornton, Ramil Keaton as well, you know, and so there's a lot of opportunities for some guys out there. And, you know, obviously guys like Squirrel White and them are going to be able to, you know, get the start, you know, start almost day one. But to have someone like Mike Matthews come in there, have that depth and, you know, be able to develop that competition at that position, it's, it's huge for this program. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I mean, a few weeks back, Tennessee added, you know, lost J.J. Harrell early on in the process, replaced him with Braylon Staley from South Carolina, the number number two ranked wide receiver in South Carolina, uh, goes and gets Mike Matthews today. Uh, Ryan Wingo expected to, you know, visit again at the end of the month. That recruitment's been all over the place. And then the one we've mentioned before, Amari Jefferson coming down at Tennessee and Alabama. Uh, this one, Amari is going to have two final visits at both schools the 28th and the 29th, I think he'll be at Tennessee first and Bama gets the final visit. Yeah. Uh, usually in a recruitment, you could kind of read into that, but I think Tennessee has a chance to hit this one out of the park. Amari Jefferson being the guy, uh, Vols baseball commit, a guy that's been really locked into Tennessee as a school, really knowledgeable, just now got his feet wet with the football staff and Coach Heupel. I think they've done a fantastic job over the last... Wait, you, you still, still hear me, Drew? Okay, yeah. you still hear me? Okay, my computer yeah. just fucked up. But um, I think overall, uh, you know, Tennessee has a chance to close this one out and get this one done. Will it be enough throughout the process? I'm not sure. Uh, Bama will have one final go on the 29th, so that one can go either way. Tennessee's still sitting well. They jumped six spots today in the recruiting process. Uh, went from 14th to 8th, I believe. So on the on three meters, they still got Kai Bates and Edwin Spillman. Edwin Spillman in two days announcing his commitment decision between Tennessee and Ohio State. And then you got four-star top 10 ranked DB Kai Bates, who is also on, I think, 26th of July, announcing his college decision between Tennessee and LSU and many more. Uh, this class, we've you know been talking about the stale in recruiting. July, we said it was going to be a really important month. Tennessee has missed on some guys like Braylon Russell and Ronan O'Connell. But I think the big targets, uh, Tennessee has a, a great chance to come out and land. And I think Tennessee fans would be a lot happier getting the commitments from who they're expected to. Yeah, I mean, and I think as well, like one of the things that we got to realize too is like, you know, it's still it's still July, man. I mean, we still got five months left of recruiting for even the first signing day, you know. But to be able to make up that ground and be able to get, you know, potentially get Stillman, which, fingers crossed, all signs look pretty good for Tennessee and potentially get Bates as well. You're talking about from this being a disaster of a recruiting month where we had so much hype about it to salvaging it and really realistically winding up to potentially have a top five class by the end of the month, which would be huge. I mean, so much ground would be make up, made up for like what we expected in the first place. And, you know, you need that. And this is like the thing I think we talked about last week or a couple of weeks ago was that you need to consistently have those, you know, top six, top seven recruiting classes in order to compete for college football playoff appearances and national titles as well. Because we know that we got a quarterback to do it for the next couple of years with Nico, but if you're not able to get the talent surrounding him in those positions as well, then like you're looking from being, you know, a national title contender to a ten and two team. But getting guys like Mike Matthews and then getting, you know, and being able to get that type of talent early on to commit as early as we have, I think it speaks volumes for Hypo and the staff and this program as well. And so if we could find a way to be able to wind up a top 10 recruiting class overall, I would be beyond thrilled. For sure, man. And I mean, like, obviously top five and above would be like the fantastic goal that every ball fan would want. 
Um, there have been some recruiting processes that have been closer than they should be. Edwin Spillman, you know, coming down to the wire. I think the Vols have done enough there. But after mm-hmm. recruiting his brother last year with Ohio State, being able to get in the picture as much as they have, um, you know, kind of concerning. I think Tennessee gets it done there. And then, you know, since you lost on some guys, you got to, you know, open up your, your class and open up your board and try to swing on some more guys. Tennessee going to have Aiden Breland, four-star defensive lineman on campus next week, and Brandon Baker, five-star offensive tackle. So I think, you know, that's a chance that Tennessee can get two big names back in on campus. I mean, this late, a lot of guys in the new day and age of recruiting want to kind of get it done before their high school senior season starts. Some like to take it out to December, like yep. Ryan Wingo might. But I think if you want to, you know, be able to swing and miss on some big fishes, I mean, what's the worst that happens? You miss. I mean, Tennessee right now with this class, how it's set up, I think you add Edwin Spillman and Kai Bates, and the demeanor yep. from last week to next week will be completely different. I mean, and I think kids like Mike Matthews, where they're getting this out, you know, out of the way already, once they really commit to a school, they're pretty much, for unless something drastic happens, of course, they're pretty set on on going to that school for the next three to four years. But I think, you know, going back to Brian Wingo, I actually think it helps, helps us tremendously that he's not, he's willing to announce it in December, as opposed, you know, before the start of his senior season. Because we have that visit where he's coming, you know, for the Georgia game, and it's going to be exactly. his last, I might be mistaken, it's like, one of his last two visits, if not his last official visit, he's doing before his commitment date, which is yeah. huge. I mean, the thing about Ryan Wingo that's been weird is that he took his official visits to you know the big schools, Georgia, Texas, you know Alabama. Has been visiting those schools, but with the NCAA rule, you're allowed to visit you know as many schools as you want to, but one time per school. And with him, you know, having that commitment decision coming down in December, getting into a game that's you know late November like Georgia, uh, that game is you know obviously going to be important i can't imagine the aspect of neyland stadium but for the recruiting yeah. as well tennessee yeah they have this class right now but we, we have to have a you know a pretty pretty good season leading up to that game especially for a lot of these guys to stick i think relationships alone has done a like incredible factor but you know you yeah. have to go out there and win on the field still yeah no i mean and i don't i don't think we have to worry about that much this year at all in my opinion as far as being able to have that production on the field um, to have to be able to develop a type of atmosphere these recruits like Brian Wingo to be able to, you know, to sway them to come here. But I, I think it just helps us tremendously that he's willing, that he's one of the few guys out there that's willing to push and wait four or five months and, and allow us to have that opportunity even as opposed to Tennessee scrambling and trying to compete with everyone else. And so it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's exciting, dude. I mean, I like I tell you, I know it's a long shot, but, man, I, got, I just got this gut feeling that, like, Brian Wingo, one way or another – is going to wind up being involved by his signing day. I just, I don't, it's well, crazy. The, I know the, the, the recruitments of uh, Ryan Wingo and uh, Amari Jefferson too, especially, you know, having Mike Matthews in the boat right now, having your quarterback already secured in the class, Tennessee filling out its class, you know, going heavy on the offensive line because what they're going to lose next year as well there, uh, trying to rebuild in the trenches. If they get Edwin Spillman, they have Edwin Spillman and Jordan Burns locked in at linebacker. William Martinez recruiting his ass off. If he gets Kai Bates, that's, you know, three of the top 15 ranked corners in the 2024 class. I mean, it's the recruiting with their hair on fire. And I think especially having a guy like Matthews in this class at the wide receivers position, like you're battling teams like Alabama and Georgia, especially for Wingo. I think when it comes down to it, having that guy in your ear, uh, I mean, the Boo Carter effect, I think, is real this class. He said he, was gonna, he yeah. wants those guys at Tennessee, and so far he's two for seven. He has, you know, five more to go. And it just, you know, we mentioned the best wide receiver in program history went the on three, you know, industry rankings, top 15 player in the country, number three wide receiver. 
today's pickup, I mean, Bruce, it's something we're going to look back on and be like the good old days. Yeah, I mean, even even ESPN, where we notoriously, I mean, you know, always trash the recruiting rankings because they're usually awful. They even have this kid as a top five recruit. They have him number five overall. So like, on three still has him as a four star in their database, and that's criminal. That's that's ridiculous. Say, well, no one really cares what they have to say, but. <laughs> Regardless, top 15 recruit, a five-star, you know, and especially for an offense as friendly as this is towards wide receivers, I think it's just this is going to be a continuous trend that we're going to see with the staff, which is getting very high four-star and five-star quarterbacks and wideouts as well coming over here. So it's it's very exciting to see Tennessee gradually come back uh, being wide receiver you again. Yeah, man, and uh, shout-out to the Vol Club for doing everything they do, man. Just a little little plug uh, right there because I yeah. think Tennessee being able to have the factors of the coaching staff and the NIL funds, uh, having that, you know, thing off their back shoulder with the NCAA has done its tremendous wonders, and I think it's going to open up a lot more recruitments. It's affected Tennessee ever since Josh Heupel got here, going back to the Wade Twins, the NCAA talent. I don't yep. think it's going to be a problem anymore, and I think Tennessee has a great chance in the end of July, early August, to just add on some more steam to this class. And, uh, I mean, I think you're going to see Heupel and this staff recruit 10 times more aggressively, too, than they were able to, you know, because of this NCAA cloud that was hanging over the program. And, you know, and having having organizations and, you know, NIL collectives like the Fall Club, it's, I mean, I can, only give, I can only give them so much praise as possible each episode, but literally it's a complete game changer. Like, it really is. Yeah, I mean, and I guess we can go ahead and dive into it. Uh, this crazy saga that we've talked about on the show since I think we've all been on the same crew for Balls ATV yep. is this damn investigation, Drew. Uh, finally wrapping itself up. Tennessee only having, you know, a, really a slap on the wrist. Jeremy Pruitt being so cause for six plus years. Go in depth with the numbers. What is Tennessee looking at here for the future? I think. Uh, before you jump into this, I will say Josh Heupel and the staff, when they got here, did a fantastic job years one and two getting these things down as little as possible because some it sounds like we're going to get some time served here. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, before I do a deep dive in, to like go further with your point when it comes to Heupel and the staff and what they did, them doing that scholarship reduction, I think they took out 16 scholarships already since he's been here, has actually helped us tremendously. Um, and I'll even go a little bit more of a numbers after, after that um, to elaborate further. But... Yeah, so the uh, committee's uh, instead committee found the program responsible for more than 200 individual violations, which included 18 level one. Um, as you, I, it's, it's absurd. It's truly unbelievable. But uh, you know, as you mentioned, Pruitt's got a six-year show cause, no ball ban, five years of probation, and we're given an eight million dollar fine. Um, no ball ban though, and. The NCAA committee themselves said that because we were so cooperative throughout the entire investigation, that was a huge difference. And, you know, they're not going to admit this either, but Dude, we, were... we we also got the Tennessee State Attorney General involved too, so that we were going to sue their ass if they gave us a ball ban. So I think that probably played a role too. But... I was afraid we were <laughs> going to get full SMU treatment, just lock the door on us, throw away the key. So I mean, I was just, I was destined. But I mean, to yeah. be honest, man, like, yeah, we vacate some wins. Tennessee's better overall record gets better i mean the winning yeah so like the winning percentage does now we're no longer a top 10 winningest program in college football and i think that ship has sailed because georgia and usc are ahead of us and 
Well, Georgia's not going to get any worse anytime soon, and USC is back to the same heights as they were, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But we're still number 11, you know, and honestly, it's 11 wins. I mean, like, none of those wins were even memorable in the first place. So it's not really that big of a loss. But um, so they also legislated a fine of $5,000, uh, 3% of our overall football budget, and additional fines. Uh, to recap money earned during the uh, Gator Bowl win over Indiana back in 2020. Wait, we had to vacate our tax slayer bowl win? So all the wins from 2019 and 2020, we had to vacate uh, vacate those. And I'll go in further detail as well as to the reason why that's the case. Um, but, yeah. Thank program, you, Derek Gray. Program must vacate 11 wins during the 2020, or 2019 and 2020 season. Uh, two players who enrolled at Tennessee, which – I, you know, I'm not going to throw out any names because, you know, here at Ball Gray, Vintage, Henry Toto. Hold, hold up. Let me finish here. Point is, we're not going to throw any names because we're way high caliber of that here at Balls ATV. But let's just say one was a running back for Oklahoma and one played linebacker at Alabama. And one was an offensive tackle at Oklahoma and one was a cornerback at Oklahoma. Yeah. So just, I think you might know who we're talking about here. But, uh,. <laughs> But two players who enrolled at Tennessee received direct payments from either Pruitt or his wife, which is even the more crazier thing. That his fucking wife was involved with all this shit too. It's just and she got away scotch free out of this shit. She got nothing. She got nothing. She was one of the very few people that didn't get a single show cause. Which, to be honest with you, I don't know why she would get a show cause because like she doesn't coach. So like it would be, it'd be like like giving like someone that got like arrested for a misdemeanor like like three months probation. It's like okay, like that's you're I mean, not. Drew, we we knew before all this stuff came out officially that this shit was bad. Like, it was just disturbing. But I think Adam Sparks, with his reports of the text messages between Shelton Felton and Brian Niedemeyer, have blown this thing to a whole different level. And also Georgia, you know, failing to comment on the fact that Darnell Washington was, in fact, paid by Tennessee and staff and still went to Georgia. Like, it, it just blows my mind from that to Niedermeyer, you know, claiming uh, sabotage through his family's bank account, to yep. Shelton Felton saying, let's keep it in the streets. Uh, what what were we doing? It, it, I could just say, I could say this, right? I had a pretty good idea on, like, how bad this was, you know, during my time working at Fan Run and, you know, working with Trey and Russ and all them because it happened all during that season. But it, the, the – the new like stories from Adam Sparks, as you mentioned, from Knoxville, New Sentinel, it just it's mind blowing, and it it's not it's not just mind blowing about the stuff we did. It's like mind blowingly moronic on how stupid we were on communicating on all this shit on university phones. Like, I mean, yeah, like Sheldon Fulton's having to say, yeah, text it to the burner. Like, I mean, like it, just like it, shit like, that. Phone. like it, it was unbelievable, like how moronic this. This whole entire coaching staff was, and I'll go even more. Did that you well. see before before you do? Did you see today yeah. what Adam Sparks put out about the about. the Walter Nolan recruitment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the Walter yeah, Nolan yeah. and his fellow recruiting guy that was with him for his official visits spent you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on cigars and marijuana. Like, what in the hell was going? Like, and I, I think we all had an idea of what was going on when Jeremy Banks was you know on the body camp, you know, talking to Jeremy Pruitt. Like, what is this shit? Never seen this shit. Like, these guys were just completely stupid, Drew. They thought it they could was, do what they did at the big-time schools and bring it to Tennessee and be stupid with it. Like, it makes no logical sense. Honestly, orange glasses off, looking at this from a non-biased perspective, 
it was lack of institutional control. And quite honestly, even though that we did clear house, we should have gotten a one or two year bowl ban. Like the, oh, fact, yeah. that, the fact that we didn't with the amount of, I mean, Ole Miss got a two year bowl ban and they even had less level one violations than we did, you know, like, so, I mean, we, we got very, very lucky and, Hey, fair play to Donnie Plowman and Danny White and this university getting the attorney general involved with this and te- like really threatening them shit, with a man. lawsuit uh, is genius. I mean, it literally, in my opinion, it's... Bolban, no. $9 million, fuck yeah. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> eight, eight, nine million dollars is pocket change to this university anyway, so that, like, I'm sure they'd be more than happy to give that to him. But, um, yeah, so the crazy thing about this was that um, those two players... Eric Gray and Henry Totoa, not confirmed, just to put that display. Allegedly. Record. Allegedly, but very highly likely. I'm like almost 99.9% sure. Uh, they received direct payments from Pruitt and his wife. One player's family received $7,600 to pay for down payments on a car and a rent, and plus $500 a month for car payment on 25 different occasions. That's That was at least what the NCAA was able to find out about. At least 25 different occasions. Um Two of those players wound up playing, you know, in 25 and 23 games respectively. Like I said, again, just go look up the roster. You can figure out who it was. (laughs) And the crazier thing, and I thought this was like a little bit more, you know, was interesting when I found out about it, was that we engaged in a recruiting scheme, uh, skirting unofficial visit rules over two seasons during the recruitment of 29 players. Uh, You know, former recruiting director, uh, with a primary recruiter to book, to book hotel rooms and pay for meals with cash. After I mean, they left their car. Like, they were they literally, left, they left their car at a fucking nightclub in downtown. They're fucking I stupid. Mean, just, uh, just so, just so stupid. Just so dumb. I and, mean, you know, staff arranged, you know, six recruits to visit uh, campus during the COVID dead period, um, which I will say at least about that allegation, right? I mean, well, it's not an allegation, it's a fact. Um, is that, I guarantee you we were not the only school having recruits come during the COVID dead period on campus. Like, oh, I know no, that. Fuck no. Like, so, I know other schools like Georgia and Alabama and Florida and all of them, whomever, they were doing the exact same thing. I, every school was. So, the only difference was that, that we got caught and we had the fucking three stooges running our football program, and that's why all this stuff unraveled. So, um, Additional punishments that we also got from this, uh, you know, from the committee was that we lost 28 scholarships over five years. 16 of those are, you know, reducted. So really, it's only 12 scholarships in the span three seasons, which honestly, it levels it out to 82, 83 scholarships this season for the roster. So like those last few scholarships are really for guys that are like your walk-ons that you know that they were trying to make it. Not really going to affect our recruiting. No athlete. one's getting a sentimental walk-on turn to scholarship video, basically, is what we're saying, because exactly. the NCAA. Exactly. So, and honestly, I don't. I actually kind of like that. So I, I do, too. It's, it's ridiculous. So. <laughs> Makes me tear up, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, the director of recruiting and the assistant director of recruiting were both hit with five- and ten-year show causes, um, really just because that they refused to talk about anything during the entire investigation. And Well, you know, if you don't do that, you're going to get done. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would, I would not, you know, the, take, take the walk for Jeremy Pruitt. I know that. I mean, oh yeah. So the only one that like really I thought was actually pretty damaging as far as the recruiting front goes was uh, we lost thirty six official visits in five in a five year span. As long as our probation is, we have to select ten regular season games where we aren't hosting 
and that includes at least four SEC games as well. Which which will be like you'll basically have that with UTSA, Austin P. You'll do that this year in your non-conference games, and probably Van. Oh no, probably Vanderbilt. Probably Vanderbilt because it's Thanksgiving weekend. You could do UConn as well. We got UConn for homecoming, so like that one is too. I mean, I because I highly doubt you're going to take. I think. Mean, I mean, you get that knocked out, and, and as long as the SEC doesn't change and decide to change their their scheduling, how it's going to be formatted when Texas and Oklahoma join, I think you know Tennessee can knock that out in the next two to three years, three four years. I mean, which they should, and I mean, I got more than enough faith in the world about this recruiting staff, football staff, where um, they will they will not violate any major violations you know like the previous regime did um, yeah because to go they can do it legally to go even into further depth of the dumbassery of jeremy pruitt i have to mention this three hundred dollars i have to mention this is that um jeremy pruitt during his interview with the ncaa committee told investigators that george floyd was on his <laughs> mind when he gave a Tennessee player's mom, $300 in a Chick-fil-A bag. And he said that his privilege, her race, and social unrest was on his mind when he gave her cash in the UT football complex of, uh, parking lot in August of 2020. Well, you uh, know what's crazy? This fan base ripped Dan Patrick all to pieces when he mentioned that we were giving cash to McDonald's bags. Because he did make it out to seem that we were giving like tens of thousands of dollars in cash, but we were in fact giving out cash to McDonald's bags, and it was because Jeremy Bruett was we, a saint and believed that George Floyd wanted someone to have him three hundred dollars. No, it was not because he was a saint; it's because he's a fucking idiot. Like, no, I said he's a saint. Pruitt is not a saint. <laughs> Pruitt's a moron. Like this, all this. You know clip- what? Okay, compared to everyone else in this investigation, Niedermeyer, Sheldon, Thoughtson, guys that ran away, ran to their hometowns, and went into hiding because this in- investigation. The VolQuest guys did mention that Pruitt was cooperative, and he did not want Tennessee to get hammered. Yeah. Uh, even though he still got his six-year show cause, I think it was a little bit too late for me to have any remorse for that guy and what him and old Philly Fulmer were doing in the I- fucking department. I'm not going to have remorse for Pruitt all whatsoever because he literally destroyed our football program and nearly gave us the death penalty and a license from this football program ever being good again. However, I do respect him like a tiny bit more for him at least coming out and saying that, you know, that we should have not gotten the bowl ban as well. Like, you know, saying that to investigators because he could have been. He could have been the spiteful, ignorant, those guys. Give him my dumb, a redneck that, you know, in him, saying Tennessee should have the chair and all this shit and whatever. But he did. He did. So, But we all know that he only said that so that he would not get a six-year show cause, and clearly it miserably failed. Um, Tennessee does <laughs> save some money here, not, you know, firing Pruitt for cause or, you know, giving him his, his – uh, not firing without cause. I mean, they – Maybe only that's, two to two point five million dollars, but you know, that's a very important is... note because we saved um, his buyout was about, if I'm not mistaken, about twelve and a half, thirteen million dollars. So yeah. we saved a tremendous amount, um, and you know, as opposed to also taking this to court with him, and you know, and stringing out a lengthy lawsuit, which he could have done. Um, I know that he's trying to counter and file a civil lawsuit with the NCAA for a six-year show cause because he, he says he only deserves a one uh, for being somewhat cooperative. Uh, I did find it interesting, though, when he told the investigators that he, he admitted giving $300 to, um, we won't say the player's name, of course, uh, his mother, 
um, in a in a Chick Fil A bag. But when they told him that they also know that he gave three thousand dollars to her as well, he denied that. He said that he would never do such a thing. So it's I guess I'm gonna go uh, completely <laughs> off topic. Yeah, I, I tweeted earlier that Amari Jefferson should stay home, and it has been liked by Amari Jefferson himself. Wow. This whole thing, though, I, I I couldn't believe one the Chick Fil A bags thing was real. Two, Nita Meyer was actually you know having this whole thing with his girlfriend, you know, being in the facility as well, and then using his parents' bank account and Shelton Felton, you know, keeping it that, street, man. Dude, that was that was Nita Meyer is in my Fucking opinion clown. all the three the absolute worst, and especially the news that came out a couple days ago, um, you know that we paid Darnell Washington. Granted, it was like only seven hundred fifty dollars for parking lot, which was weird. Um, but still went to Georgia though. He so Niedermeyer gave him seven hundred fifty dollars in a school parking lot. Uh, Balls also provided over seventeen hundred dollars worth of informational benefits on his unofficial visit, which included you know free hotel rooms, free Love meals, it. apparel, of course. The one that was mind blowing the most was. This motherfucker, Brian Niedermeyer, flew with Darnell Washington's family from Vegas to Knoxville for his official visit. I mean, like an idiot, an absolute moron. Like, and like it. That's just that's just the consistent like you know. Um, I mean, topic. I mean, thing that you realize when you read this is just how naive and moronic and just bunch of dumbasses this whole entire football staff was i mean like it was truly unbelievable and you know of course of him later on going on saying that the excuse that he would always <laughs> uh pull out four six eight thousand dollars of cash out of the atm was because his wife had a very expensive habit of uh you know fancy wine and knoxville nightlife and also that he didn't want his parents to know that what he was spending at, even though the man himself was making over $350,000 a year. Yeah. I mean, fair. My man's I'll, got a on-the-field coaching job, and they was like, you know what, let me go coach the linebackers. I I will give him this credit. You know, he he really pulled like a few freeze on not omitting anything. He literally went to the lengths of embarrassing himself making up a sorry excuse saying at 31 years old that he's still on his parents' bank account, even though he probably makes more money than his parents. Yeah. Instead of saying, yeah, I pulled this money straight out of my bank account because I was giving all these money to recruits. Like, so, for, I mean, fair play to him on that. Incredibly moronic, and he just looks like even more of an idiot than he already was in the first place. I don't but, think, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't just, think, I mean, Pruitt, he's a great defensive mind. He might land somewhere as an analyst or someone might take a chance at him at DBs or, you know, defensive coordinator. But, you know, Niedermeyer, Shelton Felton, and, you know, the rest of the crew, I, I just don't see it. They might get some NFL work here and there, but they might just be stuck in the high school balls after after this because uh, the mess that they had that is now public is, is fucking. Mean, there's there's a reason why Joe Osteves coached high school football at Heritage High School. Heritage <laughs> Good high school. Hey, Joe's chilling there. He, ain't, he wasn't involved in it. Uh, come on. Came, <laughs> out, came out unscathed. No, I, I don't believe that for a second. Everyone that staff me, including T. Martin and especially Derek, it's first place. But yeah. everyone that staff knew, and as far as I'm concerned, if you were associated with that staff, you're, you're no better than Brooklyn. But the one. Okay, but before we, while we rip on the staff, can we just, you know, 
understand what Philly Fulmer was saying to Dondi Plowman, saying that our character was there, our team was depressed, da 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 da. Like, it was, so, I mean, come on. We lost to I, Vanderbilt, Drew. I, so I wanted to actually ask you about that. So I already kind of had the idea that Phil Fulmer was an idiot in the first place. Well, I was um, mad. <laughs> but after reading those emails and his sorry excuses that he had for defending Pruitt, he Dude. might be one of the biggest The fact more- that Josh Heupel and the current staff are nice enough to let him around stool, like, and let him come to games and events and stuff like that, like, I get no. Okay, you won the natty. Oh, no, no, he, no, look, look, in my opinion, and granted, you know, I I didn't grow up in, you know, early 90s, you know, in we're early... Fucking, we're young. We were young. I didn't grow up during that time period, so, you know, I just watched those teams through highlights, you know, on YouTube or whatever, and I understand what he did as a head coach here, right? You know, winning a national title, win two SEC championships, taking us to the SEC title game what, five times. I mean, it's impressive. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he did a good job here. But what he did as an athletic director, in my opinion, tarnishes his entire legacy at Tennessee. And not just because of him just being an absolute idiot for emails to <laughs> improve it that, like, you know, that we had guys that were under 400 pounds at offensive line and we lost to Vanderbilt by 25, but because Dude. he came in here sabotage the athletic department when when we had the opportunity at the time to hire Michael Leach, took it over, and instead of hiring Mel Tucker, he hired this fucking redneck Bama Gump in the first place. So that that decision, in my opinion, and as him just being so naive, allegedly, of everything, tarnishes his whole entire legacy, in my opinion, and what he stands for Tennessee. And that's why I've been saying, at least since you know the last two years, that Johnny Majors and Robert Nealon are the goats of Tennessee football as far as head coaches go. But he, you know, did you read his, like, list of candidates that he had? If yes, man, for like, obviously Billy, he, Hugh Freeze, Keith Martin, T. Martin, which, again, I, I don't – people got to stop this. Like, just because you played football here does not mean you're qualified to be head coach here. Like, that's not how this works. Like, we've had plenty of former got players that wound up being coaches here, and they suck. So look at Randy Sanders. He's a perfect example. Uh Billy Napier, which would have been a disaster. Shane Beamer, that freaking goofball. And then he had Hugh Freeze in there, even yeah. though he knew that he had baggage and got fired from Ole Miss for oh, yeah. doing, I mean, kind of the same thing that Pruitt did as far as recruiting Minus the hookers. And then he made up a, fixed, a fictitious name, Alex French, who's not, that's not a real person. Like, there's no person named Alex French that's coaching football in the United States of America. And, I mean, like, and there was misspelled words. I mean, like, it looked like a fourth grader typed out this email, which, I mean, you know, after hearing former talk, it's a very high possibility, of course. But clowned, you know, Danny White and Donnie Plowman for when they brought out the search firm just to go land Josh Heifel. But holy shit, the fact that we got out of this with a few years of probation, uh, we're able to cut the scholarships in half before the decision even came out publicly and the investigation was wrapped yep. up and then have a 10-win season. No bowl ban and coming off an Orange Bowl victory where you just landed a five-star wide receiver as well, like, bro, it's it's big time. I mean, when like, Pruitt got fired, we thought that this football program was in the fucking dirt. Oh, I mean, because when it was, it wasn't the dirt. I mean, we were we were coming off a three and seven season. Um, we didn't have a quarterback. We didn't know. We thought Hinton Hooker when he when he committed was just like some washed up guy from Virginia Tech that was going to wind up. 
being a nobody and coached by Brady Hoke and Kevin Steele at one point. Yeah, I mean Kevin Steele was our freaking head coach at one point during that surge. I mean, like everything that could have been disaster in those few months was, and as underwhelming of a hire that Josh Heupel was. Thank God. And that clearly proves, shows what Deanie No-Nugs was doing and knows what he's doing. And, you know, it's wound up being the best hire Tennessee's had, in my opinion, as far as college athletics. I mean, at least within the athletic department in the last 10 years, you know. So Tomorrow I, I, have, a, I have the great pleasure of being in the, the capital of Tennessee in Nashville at SEC Media Day. Might be able to snag a few questions or even give a, get a glimpse of the man himself, Joshua Heupel. Uh, going to be a big day for Tennessee, having some representatives there. Yep. But, Drew, man, this whole thing, Adam Sparks definitely yeah. killed it. But to see the NCAA just release everything, uh, it, it, was, it was a big relief, I feel like, to everyone that now they can just stop talking about it, that now they can just move on. And, yeah, you're going to have that little guy from the NCAA on the back of your shoulder for five years of probation. But in this day and age, a lot of things are more different. Legal Tennessee can capitalize that with the ball club. And we don't even know what the overall health of the NCAA is going to be in the next five years with the SEC moving the way they are. So uh, all in all, I think you know Tennessee comes out of this with a win. Uh, obviously, $9 million is going to be out of their pocket. But a lot of blasphemy and buffoonery is gone and in the past. And we can look back on that Tennessee age of – Tennessee college football and be like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, I mean, I there the only reaction that you should have from this NCAA verdict that we got on Friday is doing cartwheels and backflips and spraying champagne on on all over everyone. I mean, the fact that we didn't get a bowl ban, we didn't get any more severe scholarship reductions than we already did or we self inflicted, um, it's huge. I mean, it, it's finally over. <laughs> The last one thing I want to say before we move on towards more recruiting and, you know, some of the schedule updates that we have for football was that Pruitt made 75, 75 four-figure, five-figure cash withdrawals from his bank account when he was the Vols head coach. Dude, the thing is, Pruitt came out of this with a six-year show cause and was using his fucking salary to fucking pay recruits. And, and he, he wanted that $12 million back because he probably spent, you know, six figures of fucking that on guys that didn't come here, including oh, yeah. Walter Nolan and Darnell Washington. Like, this is... He did the same thing at Alabama Club, which we found out earlier today. 40-figure, five-figure payments as defense coordinator from 2016 and 2017 as well. Uh, this just, you know, so happens that all St. Nick owns the Mercedes-Benz in Nashville. Nothing to look at it there, I mean. <laughs> but it's... Uh, it's, it's good to see that we finally had this cha- chapter closed. Uh, we can look on to greener It's like pastures. therapy, that, like something in my life just finally. And I do have to say that I am very excited uh, when Mark Nagy does do it, of course, write another uh, decade of dysfunction uh, book specifically. I need to see Brady Hoke in all caps. Fucking, can I oh, be your God. football coach? <laughs> God, that would. Holy shit, man. It, it's, um, you know, it. Not to like you know talk too much about it, but it's truly unbelievable about how to think about it was only three years ago. You know, two years ago we were in the middle of a situation we had no idea what the hell we're doing. And I was getting clowned for being a Tennessee ball. Yeah, ironically, two years later we're probably in the best position that this program's been in since what 2004, maybe 2005, like almost ten years. Ridiculous. And then I mean, like I said, man, when I started the show, like, bro. We're only we're under fifty days till football. 
you see uh, Wood Duck comment that Pruitt needed to be banned from NCAA football. Wood Duck, uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Now, I do have to say, with too. him having this six-year show cause, he's he's pretty much done. Uh I don't. I don't think you're going to see him coach at at least unless season. Nick Saban has this man go full Hugh Freeze and call him plays from the hospital at some yeah. undisclosed yeah. location. He would. Uh, the thing about his show clause as well is um, even if he does get hired within six years, he's suspended for whatever remaining years that he has on that show clause. So if he gets hired two years later, right at Alabama, for example. He would still have to wait out four years until he could be able to officially be on that staff. Like he, there's no working around it. Like he is, he's toast. Like he's, uh, he's pretty much done for. And you know, dude, someone said I'm in a Discord, and this is probably really inappropriate for the time being, and has nothing to do with this at all. But someone was talking about is so and so taking a victory lap through Athens, Georgia, right now. And I said, as he should, he said, no, nah, I'm not trying to get shot or ran over. That uh. Pretty tough. That's pretty tough. I, I got no comments on that. So George is uh, George's got their own things to worry about, and they uh, they really need to get those things under the wraps. I hope they. But don't. the thing is, Pruitt did it at Georgia too. Like, let's be real. I mean, they shit. learned it from Alabama, my guy. Like, trust me. Like, I I know individuals that um that more or less coached at Alabama. You know, ten years ago, the high of Saban's you know tenure over there, and he. I won't, you know, and he will say more or less that like guys like Kirby Smart, Sal Sinceri, Jeremy Pro, they're all doing that shit. Like that, oh, that's yeah. where they all learned it from, you know. So, I mean, it's not surprising at all. It's just so happened that you know Pruitt has the IQ of a potato and was just so obvious about all of it that he didn't even he didn't even care about it. I mean, he, the guy even admitted that he carried thousands of dollars of cash in his truck at all times. Yeah. Like he was it. At, why? Why would you tell anyone that? I, I don't. At, I didn't understand that. But you know, <laughs> there's a lot of things I never understood about the staff, and it, you know, clearly from reading what we all found out about, it clearly validates it. So you can't do Huger High School in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I mean, we finally got this, th- you know, whole chapter wrapped up. It's crazy that we probably we might mention it here and there on the Vols ATV podcast, but the whole in depth, it's probably had its wraps here. I, we've been discussing this thing for years and years to come, Drew. Yeah. Obviously, the huge recruitment news today, Tennessee landing five-star wide receiver Mike Matthews. You got four-star linebacker Edwin Spillman in two days, and then four-star top 10 ranked DB in the country, uh, Kai Bates, decided between Tennessee and LSU. I think Tennessee, the momentum is going to be insane. Uh, obviously, like we said earlier, under 50 days till football. A lot of kickoff times coming out now. We know the home opener is a noon kickoff for the Eastern, but for me in Nashville, I'm going to have to be at Nissan probably about 7 a.m. for the 11 a.m. kickoff, yeah. uh, taking on the Virginia Cavaliers there. And then the 4 p.m. kickoff for Austin P. I thought that was a really weird kickoff time it's for the five. home opener. Or 5 p.m. in Knoxville, 4 p.m. here in, in the in the mid-state. Just a... Uh, Finally getting the kickoff times and getting ready for the 2024-2023 season. I'm fucking yeah. hyped. And uh, I'm not – I don't really have an issue with the 5 p.m. kickoff. Um, I mean, honestly, it really just came down to the fact that, like, this game wasn't going to be shown on TV. We're going to win the game by the um, But, you know, like, it'll be – it'll still be decent weather. It won't be, like, you know, in that hot blazing sun at noon. Like, nothing is worse than noon kickoffs. Um. Yeah, you know, sucks that you're gonna have to deal with that actually in Nashville. Yeah. But you know, but 
But nothing's worse than that. I think a 5 p.m. kickoff is good. And not to mention, once that game ends, you go that, you know, you, you transition, you know, go go to a little half-barrel cool beans, go watch Texas oh and Alabama after that as well. Like, Keep, we, uh, uh, me and half-barrel are going to have to be limited this football season. I'm just uh, gonna... Well, let's just say this, Brando. We're going to, me and you personally, we're going to redeem ourselves, you know. <laughs> we're going to cut ourselves off after the Vol Club tailgate, buddy. <laughs> Well, that's true, too. Uh, that's not not a bad shot at all. As long as they got the TV for that Bama and uh, Texas game, and I'm definitely game, of course. But uh, Dude, I, all I remember is Ole Miss being up on Bama 21-7, to and then everything is black. We had just be Missouri's ass 63-21, to and after that it was just fucking over. There's but, uh, Yeah, I, I don't remember a lot from that game, and what I do remember is not very good either. So, you know, it, it happens to the best of us. And look, I... I'd rather have that for a game like Missouri than, like, say, a game like Alabama. I knew a couple of buddies of mine that partied way too hard for the Bama pregame and I forgot the entire game. So, trust me, it could be a whole I, I remember that, that game vividly with old Dan the man. Uh, I honestly, can't, I'm looking forward to a lot of that, man. Football season, Virginia. Uh, obviously, I'm going to be there The looking forward to the Vol tailgates, Vol club tailgates, and then coming into Knoxville – being around the ATB crew, having us all together. Can't wait to have a full, full crew show again. Yeah. Drew, obviously the recruiting, picking up football season on the way. Uh, the little news that came out of, you know, Vols baseball coming out of the draft. Tennessee, you know, losing a lot of guys there. Chase Dolander, first-round pick. Maui Ahuna, gone. Jared Dickey, gone. Uh, Tennessee losing, you know, they're one high school commit in that draft. I think overall, right now, all the focus goes to Luke Holman, the yep. Alabama transfer pitcher. He was on campus yesterday, went to LSU today. All the belief is that Tennessee is still such in a good position there. I think Tennessee gets that done in their pitching rotation. And then, I mean, the hype around there is absolutely insane. And then, you know, the Vols basketball, losing Chris Ledlam. I guess we can go in depth with that. But yeah, he, he committed to St. John's today. Going yeah. back home for personal reasons. Of and, I mean, I'm not really too surprised about Chris Ledlam, um, you know, entering Side back the portal, yeah. even even after being here for a few weeks, you know, making that transition of moving from, you know, the greater Boston area to over to over here. I'm sure it was a huge culture change for him, for sure. And uh, I'm sure he probably wasn't too thrilled about the fact that Triple J decided to come back as well. Because, um, you know, really, at the end of the day, didn't really guarantee, you know, any playing time for him either. You know, he was going to have to compete for those minutes. Yeah. And you're not you're not going to start a transfer over a guy that's been a starter for four years, you know. So tough break, but luckily for Tennessee, uh, you know, definitely you know in the four or five position uh, down low, we got so much depth, man. Whether if it's Triple J, Awaka, you know, Jonas Adu, JP Estrella, I mean, we got a lot of a lot of guys there that I think we're going to be just fine. And not to mention, you know, I've. I read this morning, you know, guys like DJ Jefferson, who redshirted last year. I mean, even Barnes has mentioned that this is a guy that could play significant playing time this year. So he's made tremendous strides under the last show. year. Yeah. So this Give is still one a preseason top 10 team. And, you know, they did release the basketball schedule for the non-conference a couple days ago. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. It's it's okay, you know. Um, it is exciting that like we are playing the Maui Invitational, and we'll play schools like UCLA, uh, you know, Syracuse, Gonzaga, uh, Purdue. Purdue should be a, would be an exciting matchup as well. But when you look at you know outside of like I would say you know Illinois, really, you're talking about playing like Tennessee Tech, 
uh, Georgia Southern, you know, no disrespect to uh, the Eagles, of course, but just a very underwhelming home schedule. Um, but, you know, I mean, you don't want to make it too chaotic and too competitive because, you know, if you have too many losses early on, you really set yourself back on uh, potentially getting yourself a good seat as well. But, you know, we got a lot of good matchups that we mentioned in the last show, including North Carolina and Chapel Hill, which is going to be awesome on national television too. So a lot of good ones, but it's just, I mean, it. I think it's just a very exciting time, you know, Brandos, you can agree oh, with yeah. the basketball program, with football especially. Um, I do want to ask you, though, before we wrap up within the next 10 minutes or so, Vegas came out and gave a uh, season prediction for Tennessee and has Tennessee going eight and four. Yeah. Um, I am curious about your thoughts on it. Personally, eh, I could see why. I could uh, see why, but I think I'm leaning still towards the nine and three or a possible ten and two, obviously dropping the obvious ones, or maybe not even the obvious ones. I mean I mean the ones you used to look back as the obvious ones were, you know, Alabama and Georgia. Alabama having a lot of question marks after this last draft, losing Will Anderson, losing Bryce Young. Uh, it sounds like their guy to be is going to be Ty Simpson going into this year. I think Tennessee has a great chance to go into Brian Denny and have a, a revenge game there. And then having Georgia come into, into Neyland late in the season just depends how this season goes. Uh, has a lot to do with the offensive line, how well Joe produces and has improved. From what we saw in the Orange Bowl, uh, I, I do think that nine and three, ten and two is possible. I think the the home crowd and being in Neyland for the games we are in Neyland is going to have an incredible factor. Uh, I, I would say more, but I would not be surprised with the eight and four thing. I think there's a lot of toss ups there where Tennessee could get surprised by some yeah. people. I will um, I will say this. I I can understand the argument of us going eight and four because I know that we. As a fan base, we've obviously seen Joe Milton improved the last, you know, past season. But, you know, there is still a lot of question marks. Can he do it, you know, in a consistent basis, play like how he did against Clemson? And, you know, obviously replacing a Heisman, you know, a Heisman front, a really a front runner the entire year. Yeah. Hidden uh, Hooker, and in my opinion, one of the well, top four greatest quarterbacks in the history of the program. The thing is, if Joe Milton even goes the minimum of eight and four, he is you know locking himself as a top ten pick in the NFL draft. Thousand percent. Like, but you know he's got. I think the one thing that he has to do is like he's got to be more comfortable with his feet. You know, one of the things that made Hinton Hooker so electric was that he was able to create plays with his legs. And yeah, Joe Joe has that. It's just I don't know if he is as shifty. As you know, Hinton Hooker is, which I mean, he, he could be. I know he's lost about 10 or 15. Josh, uh, Josh Heifel said today, I think on SEC Network, about how the, the design runs, you know, comparing from Hinton Hooker to Joe Milton, it was going to be the same in the offense. A lot of times where you saw Hooker go in motion, especially in that Florida game that we remember so, so well, and the yep. way he was able to break free. Uh, I think that's very possible. We didn't see it often from Joe, but when we did see it was when he first got to campus, you know, against Bowling Green and Pitt, you know, two years ago where he had that, you know, 67, 80-yard run. He slimmed down a little bit. He's gotten faster. Um, I think his durability and, you know, his, you know, being able to stay healthy is going to be a huge, huge factor for Tennessee. I think, you know, Joe has to prove it and go a full season, which we haven't seen him do. We saw him, you know, have, you know, his interception to touchdown ratio was fantastic, almost yeah. 1,000 yards just being a backup. We saw what happened in the Orange Bowl. I think obviously point to your quarterback when he's think, thinking how a season's going to go. I think he has to fix his, fix his accuracy. He has to be confident. And I think it's a guy that understands. He's learned 
for a year and sit back and actually learn from a guy like Hendon Hooker, not where at Michigan where they did him dirty and just replaced him. I think he's, you know, took all the tools and he's really a better quarterback than a lot of people <clears throat> give him credit for. I mean, I think we've seen a lot of improvement just from that Clemson game alone compared to where he was, you know, against those Bowling Green and, uh, you know, well, but my thing is, is like, when I look at this roster, you know, I would, I would actually argue in, in a couple positions like wide out and running back that there's not a drop off in talent and if anything, we've actually maybe you gotten, see, gotten better at those positions. Did like, you see my, the video of Dylan Sampson, Jalen Wright, and Jabari Small all training this past weekend together? Dylan Sampson's, you know, next step speed is ridiculous. Yeah. That man from year one to year two has gotten significantly better. He might even be the number two back in this I, in this running back room. I mean, I think in my opinion now of all those three guys, I think Dylan Sampson's the best running back. I mean, just based off just him being able to create plays and, you know, elusive as well. But if Joe can figure it out, if he could be able to be consistent, I I don't think this team's going to win eight games. I don't think they're going to win nine games. I don't think they're going to win ten. I, I could honestly see this team winning 11 games if he is fulfills his potential that we all think that he has. Like, I think – I don't know if Georgia is a winnable game. I don't know it is. And Alabama's going to be sure as hell tough. But Alabama's yeah. replaced with so much talent. And there's so Ty Simpson. Ty Simpson lost in the first round of 3A Tennessee football playoffs. <laughs> Granted, he played where he played at Westview. There is no way that I think that when he comes against Tennessee, his hometown team, and understands, you know, all the factors that he's not going to show. I just, that's just my personal opinion. No, I a mean, lot uh, really far ahead to look at, but I think Tennessee has the chance to like go into like their rivals' traps, which they have not gone into the swamp and they have not gone into Brian Denny and gotten those kind of massive wins. I think Tennessee legit has a legit chance, and that's going to play a huge factor based off how they were on the road last year. And I, I mean, I would argue that the biggest game that we have as far as, like, dictating the season goes, in my opinion. And, you know, I mean, honestly, it kind of like it is every single season, but that Florida game. That oh, Florida yeah. game dictates the entire season. If we go in that game, it's a night game in the Swamp, 7 p.m., that place is going to be electric. It's going to be chaotic. It's going to help us tremendously. Be there. Not playing in that Florida heat, of course. But if we can go in there, kind of repeat like what we did back in 2001, go in there in a night game, get a win, first win the Swamp in 20 years, and you carry that towards South Carolina, there is no fucking chance in hell South Carolina is beating us at home if we're 4-0 going into that game. There's no chance. I mean, I, I don't I don't believe it for a second. And I know I – think, I think playing – believe it or not, I think playing UTSA as early as we do, playing that really a high-power G5 offense, I think it's going to help us when we play like you know teams like Florida and South Carolina that are still trying to – Figure well, it out. Granted that you know, well, I mean, we Rattler played, did fuck us last year, but we play UTSA after Florida. But no, I I agree though. I mean, UTSA is a top twenty-five team, and that this is not like it's not like playing a UConn. It's not like playing a Georgia State. Like this is they're a legit football team. Like they're a damn yeah. good football. Team. They, they got, lose a lot on offense. They're they are, but they're returning their star quarterback, who's probably one of the top ten best quarterbacks in all of America. Like it, like that's a game that you do not want to sleep on at all whatsoever because they could beat us. There's no, in my opinion, there's no doubt about it. But if if Milton can figure it out and we can figure out a way to be able to have Savage our offensive line and replace Darnell Wright, this this team will win ten or eleven games. And I if they win eleven games, even if they lose to Georgia, they're in the playoffs. I mean, I I don't I don't see how you cannot argue just based off the loan. Now granted, 
South Carolina might be horrible and Texas A&M might be a three-win team. But even then, you know, that resume, that's that's 11-win now, 11-win-one team in the SEC. Regardless of which division, you're, you're in the playoff. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think everything is there. I would keep on saying what I think is the most important thing, and that's where this offensive line and defensive line are going to be. I'm not really worried about, you know, the linebackers where Tennessee was able to go in the transfer portal heavy, have guys in their second year. Yeah. Uh, DBs, you know, obviously only going to get better from what happened last year. And, I mean, I point to the offensive line and defensive line, and especially looking at the 2024 class, I want Tennessee to get more involved with guys like Bennett Warren, guys that can be immediate impacts because Tennessee's losing, you know, three to four guys that are on that, you know, first, second team, and then a lot of guys that have been there for four to five years like Ollie Lane. And, yeah. you know, Dane Davis that are going to be in their final years of eligibility. I think Tennessee is going to have to, you know, they're going to have to go heavy. And I think this year, uh, if that happens, the offensive line is going to have to step up. You lost guys like Darnell Wright and Jerome Carvin. It's going to be big on Spraggins and, you know, uh, Jeremiah Crawford to be able to step up and Gerald Mincy to be able to, you know, dominate the line of scrimmage. Granted, though, we got a guy like John Campbell in the portal that helped out tremendously. So, yeah. I mean, and guys like, you know, guys like John Campbell, too. They, I mean, I think they know like how big the shoes that they have to fill replacing a guy like Darnell Wright. Yeah. And, you know, like I wouldn't stay optimistic about it. I think they have that opportunity to be able to fill it. But like, man, that there's gonna be there's gonna be a drop with that offensive line because I don't, you know, we know that Darnell was a top ten pick, but I don't, yeah. I don't think really people emphasize and like or realize like how important he was. To Tennessee's success last season. Jerome Carvin not giving up sacks. I mean, Carvin as well. I mean, but Darnell Wright single handedly controlled Will Anderson that entire Alabama game. I mean, like, literally shut him down. And, you know, and I mean, that that was, you know, a top five draft pick. So, or top 10. But I, a lot of question marks. And obviously, when we go closer towards the season, we're going to have our uh, good old traditional full season prediction that I'm. Always look forward to one here, of my favorite episodes of the uh, you know the entire year, but um, nah, man, less than fifty days. It's uh, it's it's crazy. It's we're counting down the days. We got the the new feeling over here at the Vols ATV with the new layout on the background, the new intro, trying to spice some things up a little bit. Going into a huge important year, obviously the season predictions. Josh Heupel, fucking killing it on the recruiting trail. Five star Mike Matthews, the guys leading up. I mean, as we count down, man, it's it's almost here. It's almost time it, for the action, and then we'll be here week zero. Yeah. And before we know it, two weeks from now, they'll be reporting for fall camp, and, you know, guys will be back on pads, you know, practicing all over again and getting preparation for Virginia. Uh, I mean, even, even as you mentioned with that week zero, like I'm going to be all freaking fired up about watching garbage, you know, Jacksonville State versus UTEP and, you know, Notre Dame versus Navy. Like, it's just – college football, I man, it's the best sport in the world. I, I've i been seeing it my entire life. I don't – there's nothing like it. You know, it's just – it's the best thing on the planet. And it's, you know, it's always – this time of the year when you're slowly anticipating it and it's coming closer and closer, it's just one of the most exciting times of the year for sure. But, uh, no, we got good days ahead for the football program, uh, especially if uh, hypo under the helm. Good days ahead. The bad days of the old regime are behind. A lot to look forward to. Um, cannot wait to maybe be here next Wednesday. Hopefully have some others from the show. Uh, can't wait to get the full crew here for the season predictions. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, breaking down. Football will be here before we know it. 
Uh, might even have an addition to the baseball roster next week when we're back here. Drew, Josh Heupel looks to add to the 2024 class next week. Uh, yep. A lot to look forward to. Any final comments before we wrap this one up, end it off on a bang? Yeah, uh, a couple things is, you know, as we try to mention with every show, guys, like, I mean, to all of our listeners out there, you know, not only just check out our Spotify and our YouTube channels, of course, but please go give the ball club a look. The link is on our Twitter. I mean, you can literally join as a member for $5 a month, like, you know, less than $6. annually, yeah. And not to mention, if you join where it's up to 20, you're paying $25 a month, you get exclusive access to the, and Brando can attest this with me as well, the Holy best shit. tailgates on campus by a mile. And I mean, you're talking about, you know, freaking high cotton shit drinking, you know, the finest of whiskeys, Chick-fil-A's, you name it. Like it is, there's nothing Whiskey, like a gator. Oh, there's nothing like a vol club tailgate. I can promise you that. And just even join for a little, whether if it's only $6 a month that you can afford, or if you want to go up to the $25, $100, $200 a month, all your money that you're going to is going directly towards helping these Tennessee student athletes. And it's helping them and it's helping Tennessee to be able to put themselves in the position to continue this trend, which is getting a high caliber recruits and getting huge big time wins as well. So it's a good thing to, you know, donate back towards as a, you know, as a fan and you know where your money's going towards as well. And the last thing as well, Still, you know, still in the works, not going to, you know, there's no oh, official yeah. things or anything yet, but, you know, we're going to have some exciting news regarding, you know, the Vols ATB crew, you know, during this football season, we'll talk about a little bit, you know, in the later weeks on what that is, but just to get you a little bit hyped up um, and yeah, just, just keep in touch. Obviously be sure to look out for the good news regarding Tennessee football on the Twitter feed, the Vols ATB feed and the Vols Scoops feed, wherever you get your recruiting news. Josh Heupel looking to add to the class. Vols ATB might be going back on tour and just a lot to look forward to. Hopefully we have the, uh, the full crew here sooner than later, but you know, a, a better crew than everyone reheal and get ready. Cannot wait to be back. And we'll be back next Wednesday, back here live 8 PM Eastern drew my friend. It was a pleasure. Until next time, good night. Go balls. Go balls, baby. Cute.